It is Wednesday the 21st of October 2020 and you're listening to episode 15 of the Film School Podcast. The podcast where we talk about all the films that we've watched throughout the week and a movie of the week. And this week's movie is none other than Climax by Gaspar Noe. Um, have I said that correctly, Josh? Yeah, yeah, Gaspar Noe. Alright, perfect. Um, you can follow us on Letterboxd. Uh, we have myself, King Frogby. Uh, you have J. Luke for Josh. And we have... EJP74 for Emily. Um, how are you guys doing this week? Yeah, you're good, thanks, Adam. How are you? Yeah, not so bad. We've got Emily joining us again. How are you doing, Emily? Good. I'm feeling refreshed after a week off. Um, yeah. Very... Got a lot of um, insulting you to make up for from last week, I think. So, yeah. Oh, Should ooh, be yeah. good. Fans... Yeah, he caught, me. he caught more than a week's <laughs> worth last week, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, with Joel on the podcast, he does not yes. like my new... Rating system, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, it does. It makes perfect sense. It doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, if you like this podcast, uh, it would be great if you liked and subscribed. We have a Twitter now. Uh, Twitter is Films Cool Pod. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Films underscore Cool Podcast. Um, details are obviously on the YouTube channel and in the description below. Um, so, what did you guys watch this week? Uh, so this week I thought I would watch the Spiria, Luca Giordanino's 2018 remake of Dario Argento's classic 1977 Italian supernatural horror film. Turns out I ended up watching both, so I thought I might as well talk about both because they are a different experience. This was only the second time I've watched the original and I only finished it a couple of hours ago, but my word is this my type of horror film. It's not for everyone, but I know our good friend Alex Little has this as one of his favourite films and I can understand why. The whole film is drenched in this beautiful colour palette of reds and greens. The progressive rock score by Goblin is iconic and will be stuck in your head for days. I'm currently trying to speak here, but the theme from this song is playing in my head and I'm trying not to hum it out loud. <laughs> and that's not to mention the really psychedelic scenes of violence. There is some crazy stuff here for the 70s. In fact, it opens with what may be my favourite opening kill in a horror film. It has everything. It has someone getting stabbed, then someone gets stabbed in their open beating heart, then they get thrown through a pl like a lead-lighted window through the roof and hung at the same time, and then someone has like pieces of the glass stuck in the it is nuts. And it's insane that this in the 70s and that some people consider other movies from this era way more intense than this when this is just crazy. But Dario Argento's classic comes in at a svelte 99 minutes and I enjoyed it even more on a second viewing because I wasn't focused on the storyline. I was just focused on enjoying what was happening and it's just my sort of experience. And as soon as I saw the runtime of Luca's version, I knew I was in for a completely different experience than what I was used to. The setting is very much the same as the original, taking place in an esteemed European dance academy and it shares a few story similarities, but that's about all. This is a mammoth two and a half hours, and it feels very much like your modern slow burn horror film. Luca has gone out of his way to make this feel nothing like the original, with a very muted color palette for the most part, and focus on underlying themes of society linked in with the witchy stuff. Um, I actually think this is a very good idea because the original is so iconic and 
still feels so fresh in 2020 that remaking it would be pointless because the original, it's not like the original Italian film is in Italian, and I'll explain that in a minute. So it's not inaccessible for people. And this isn't for everyone, and I honestly don't think I can recommend it to the rest of the, the panel here due to the runtime and the direction of the plot. But there is some crazy scenes of violence sprinkled throughout this one as well. Think summer in how there's not too many really graphic scenes, but the ones that it does have are really, truly fucked. I was a fan, but I definitely prefer the original. And I'll get into why the original may, for some people, be a bit jarring to watch. And it goes down to the way Italians made films back then. I think, and this, I may be wrong on this, but it may have to do with the limited Italian speakers in the world. And when you're exporting your films from Italy, you sort of want to have to make it as easy as possible to, to other languages for people to see. So all the actors on set acted in their natural language. So the Italian actors acted in Italian, the English-speaking actors acted in English, and they just dubbed the half of it that they don't that they need to dub for each specific audience. And it's really well known in like the old spaghetti westerns with Clint Eastwood, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, all those sort of things. And it's the same here. But once you can get, if you can get past that jarring sense of dubbing, this actually has a very good dub. It's a really good time for the original and for the remake. I enjoyed it, but for a very specific audience. Do you yeah. think I would enjoy it, or I would be I, best off just watching the original? I think you would like the original. You may, you may enjoy some parts of the new one, but you would think it is slow. And yeah. I think the benefit of the original is if you're not really into the plot itself, it only goes for 100 minutes and it looks and sounds really pretty. Get see, something out of it. Whereas if you weren't into the remake, you just hate the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. See, I watched the sure. trailer for this film and the mm. entire time I was like, this seems like an Emily ass movie. Like, yeah, I don't know. You just may based like on what, it. Just based on what you've like shown me like last year in terms of horror movies at like that Washington yeah. house. I don't know. It seemed I, like yeah, very cool. much. I think there is a chance you may like it, but it's just because we've had a lot of this sort of style of horror recently, it's on the very top scale. So you may compare it to other movies that are better and find it slow because of that. Mm. Sure. Mm. Well, yeah, I watched, uh, I also watched a horror movie this week. Um, I watched Wormwood, Road of the Dead, which is an Australian film directed by the Roach Turner brothers who were based in Sydney. Um, and yeah, it was their directorial debut. And since, they've, since then, they've only done one other movie, which I've never heard of either, but it's called Necrotronic. Have either of you heard of that one? I have. I've heard of both these films, but I haven't seen either. No. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I hadn't heard of either of them. Um, but yeah, so Wormwood's from 2014. Uh, and it has been described as Mad Max meets Dawn of the Dead. So that's what that's like a little bit of a genre that we're dealing with. Um, it's set in the Australian outback. And basically, a meteor shower somehow turns majority of the population into zombies. Our protagonist, Barry, the mechanic, goes out into the craziness to rescue He's been, like, abducted from, yeah, kind of just, like, taken away by this, like, deranged doctor who's... Uh, doing experiments on people and yeah that yeah that's an interesting part of it um but yeah before going out to do this and rescue his sister he yeah unfortunately has to kill his wife and daughter with a nail gun because they've turned into zombies um and yeah he's pretty pissed off with the whole situation as you can imagine 
um, along the way, he meets some other Australians, including like this Indigenous guy called Be- uh, Benny, uh, who brings a lot of comedic value. And then there's like another group of guys who let him borrow their Hilux in, you know, true Aussie fashion. And yeah, overall, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Like, I was really thrilled to have watched an Australian zombie movie. Um, and for a film that had a really low budget, I was really impressed. It was made on a budget of 160k. Um, wow. Yeah. And it took them four years to write and direct. So yeah, a lot of um, a lot of work went into it. Went into it, I suppose, especially to make the budget work. What I did, like, I did read though that. Green Australia chipped in like I think 800k or so post production. So like, does that mean that that would have covered like editing and that sort of stuff? Or yeah, and, like yeah, effects and, and stuff like so. Uh, okay, yeah, gotcha. That makes sense. So yeah, I think in the end, like with that addition, like it ended up being, you know, close to a million dollars. But like, yeah, initially like 160k to get all the filming and stuff done, which was cool. I thought. Um, and. Yeah, and, like, with that, obviously, so that meant that, like, the cast and everyone involved over the, that, like, four years um, didn't actually get any money until the film started to make money, so that would have sucked for them. Um, and, yeah, the thing, though, with how, like, Screen Australia gave them, like, the post-production money is that they needed to have this, like, limited theatrical release in Australia, which meant that that couldn't be available digital- digitally right away, uh, which actually, I think, led to this being one of the most pirated films in the world when it was first released. Well, so well. yeah, so so over the weekend, um, I think it was like I don't know, maybe February or something in 2014. It was it was actually like on the list of like the top ten most downloaded and torrented movies on Pirate Bay, and I think over the weekend I read it had like 5,000 simultaneous downloaders and sharers, and that that continued for like the next seven days or so. So wow. yeah, there's like <laughs> you know probably tens of thousands of people who got to watch this like little indie Australian movie without spending spending anything on it, which like kind of sucks for the people involved who like spent all that yeah. time and money and everything getting it happening. Um, but yeah, the good news is that it's now on Stan, YouTube, and Google. So I think you should definitely check it out for a good dose of Aussie horror action comedy. Is what I would call it. Awesome. Well, I... yeah, yeah, I it was good. But it was always on those lists of most underrated, like, horror films or most underrated comedy horror films. So mm. it must have some genuine merit. And, yeah, I, I've always seen... I, I know the cover because I used to see it back when I used to buy DVDs of the guy with the double barrel shotgun. Oh, yeah. Thing, yeah. <laughs> well, like, even just, like, doing the posters this morning, I saw the, the poster for this. I was like, I've never heard of this. But, like, the poster and, like, that, like, Mad Max meet Dawn of the Dead, mm. I was like, I'm going to watch this. There's yeah, no definitely check it out. Yep, it was good. I yeah, definitely recommend it. It was like it didn't take itself too seriously, and like I yeah was surprised by like how enjo- how funny I found it, but also like how um, how it did actually still have like a plot and everything as well. So yeah, that's what we need right now. Something yep. that's just fun and dumb. To put yes, on. for sure. Well, in in saying that, um, what I wanted to talk about was Love and Monsters uh, for my movie this week, but we done we've done a separate new cool film review because it just came out so you can check that out on um, YouTube but what I'm going to talk about today was I watched uh, Interview with a Vampire so I've been seeing this like pop up on Netflix um, for the last couple of months Uh, and it has a pretty star-studded cast so it's Brad Pitt Tom Cruise Kirsten Dunst and Antonio Banderas um, just to name a few and there's like lots of other like people that you'll like see and you'll be like I know you Um, man 
this is a gay movie. <laughs> and that's the, a polite way of putting it. So essentially, it's um, the retelling of a vampire's like loves epic life. Um, his like um, love, betrayal, loneliness, and like a dark hunger to um, sort of like explain it to a reporter. And yeah, so essentially, it starts with Brad. P- it, like Brad Pitt is the the main protagonist, um, and it follows him from when he. Um, was conceived as a vampire by Tom Cruise. Um, his struggle with, um, I guess, being evil and having to kill people to survive. Uh, his new relationship with Kirsten Dunst as a child, um, being a vampire that they convert in his presence. And then um, right through to Tom Cruise's demise and then into, like, what's the big picture and why are vampires like a thing and and like that's where he meets like Antonio Banderas in France um like I did start off with it being gay and like man this is like this this movie must have started like the fan fiction for (laughs) um all of like the Twilight series and all like that weird vampire stuff um Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt get steamy and like ridiculously close with one another and it's really weird and jarring and like Tom Cruise is like all up in everyone's like personal space um which I thought was hilarious um like Tom like don't get me wrong the acting's phenomenal um but it's very just strange um yeah but like overall it was enjoyable like it was sort of like a nothing movie you don't really I don't know if the plot really went anywhere that I wanted it to go and it didn't really have a lot of answers, but it was just a fun, like, flick and it had, like, a really good cast. So, yeah, I, I recommend it. I gave it, like, I, it was enjoyable. It wasn't, like, the best movie I've ever seen, so I gave it a three. Um, yeah. Have any of you guys seen this? No, I have not. I've never even heard of it, but it I sounds have, like something I, I wouldn't mind, maybe. I have seen it, yes, and I let me specify what I think Adam means by this being a gay movie. Yes. This movie stars Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Antonio Banderas, and potentially the most attractive man of all time, Christian Slater. This movie has enough manpower to turn most men gay. <laughs> there is just that much charisma on the show, and yeah, I I really liked it, but... That was back in the day when vampires weren't so overdone, and this was this was based off Anne Rice's very famous novel, that out of a long series of books that cover Lestat and Tom Cruise's character and everything like that. So this was the first sort of this was the first book series that people got obsessed with vampires. So it was the pre-Twilight sort of thing for a bit of an older audience and super popular. Millions of books worldwide sold. So. There is a story here that they may have thought that they were going to go on and tell, and there is another adaption of one of Anne Rice's Lestat novels called, or from this universe, I don't know if it's specifically a Lestat novel, but Queen of the Damned, which is a much worse film than this, but it is in the same universe. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a good vampire movie. Yeah, like, and that's it. It is a good vampire movie. Um, And you can definitely see, like, where other movies that have vampires have taken lots of inspiration um, and style. What year is it from, sorry? 1994. 
Ah, cool. Yep, yep. And um, directed by Neil Jordan. Yeah. So, um, look, it's on Netflix. Like, definitely worth a check out if you're interested in vampires at all. Not to mention, like, has a great cast. So, like, mm. I don't know. It was one of those perfect nothing movies. So, yep. Well, also from 1994, I watched True Lies this week, which is an action comedy starring Big Arnie Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis, directed by James Cameron. Now, if you're in your mid-20s to probably mid-30s and you live in Australia, you would remember this as being the movie that seemed to be on free-to-air TV every Saturday night for your formative years. So I decided to take a nostalgia look back. And you know what? Still fun. It tells the story of a super spy played by Arnie, but his cover is as a computer salesman, something that bores his wife, played by Jamie Lee, to death. Because Arnie's job is so all-encompassing, he misses a lot of birthdays and family events, causing his wife to... She doesn't seek outside attention, but she sort of stumbles into it and doesn't push it away. Basically, a used car salesman uses Arnie's reported missions because there's a lot of collateral damage to Arnie's missions. This is... Like, there's no way this guy couldn't be known by everyone because he's blowing up things in broad daylight in massive cities all over the papers, but somehow he could keep this from his wife. And it's funny that the idea of Arnold Schwarzenegger as a computer salesman and his wife is buying that. Like, when does he have time to go to the gym for 17 hours a day? It doesn't make sense. Anyway... All this winds up with the whole family getting involved in a terrorist plan to steal nukes. And there is some absolutely crazy scenes here. Even Eliza Dushku plays the daughter in this, and I never realised until now. Um, Tom Arnold steals almost every scene he's in as Arnie's partner and proverbial guy in the truck. And you can just tell the cast had a lot of fun with what they were doing. If you haven't seen it or haven't for a while, I definitely recommend checking it out, especially if you want one of those just dumb, fun... Arnie action movies with just great chemistry with the cast and it's a James Cameron movie which yeah which is crazy yeah I probably knew but the fact that I watched this and James Cameron's name popped up I was like what yeah so it's made with a certain level of knowledge on how to make a film so it's not like in Michael Bay action movies where it's just let's just throw everything at it like he knows what he's doing and it comes off really well here yeah, and I think probably, like, uh, James Cameron's rapport with, like, Arnie doing Terminator and stuff probably yeah, helped absolutely. out a lot. Because, like, the story's a bit all over the place, but, man, it's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think everyone at some point in their life should go on an army bender, like, where it, they just there's watch... There's so much quality. Like, you don't realise. Yeah, like, I think as time went on, like the projects that he was choosing kind of get a little bit worse but absolutely <laughs> um yeah there's that there's that bit in that good. chunk in that center bit where it's just like fantastic. but i think i think we even went through maybe a stage of even after arnie's sort of good years we looked back at his good years and we we're like oh no they weren't that good but now we're finally coming back around and even the ones that were like oh that wasn't that good work we can see the fun that it is Especially like movies like The Running Man is a good example of a movie that if you're watching it back then, you could be like, oh, it's just another Arnie vehicle. He's just doing exactly what he always does. But you watch it now, you're like, this is Arnie ripping out one-liners with sick kills, and it's just a lot of fun. And I think we're at that stage where we can enjoy... I think we realise that the crap, in quotation marks, from previous decades is potentially better than the crap from now. 
yeah yeah man like yeah that's a good point at some point i would love to do like kindergarten cop or like twins (laughs) or junior because they're fantastic um yeah all right em cool um well yeah i watched another directorial debut this week and this this time it was that of the well-renowned coen brothers so I checked out Blood Simple from 1984, which is classified as a neo-noir crime film. Uh, it's set in Texas, and the plot is that a husband hires a private detective to murder his cheating wife and her lover, which all sounds quite straightforward. However, it actually gets a whole lot more complicated than that. And I was going to give away a small spoiler, but yeah, I think I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to ruin anything. Um, overall, I had a lot of fun with this one. Like that being said, um, the start, I, per- I personally found it a little bit slow. I was um, dozing off a little, which is probably more on me for like, you know, being back at work and stuff. Um, but yeah, once it got going and I got like invested fully, um, I thought it was great. It was quite violent, quite twisted, but also darkly comedic at the same time, which is a combination that I really love in a movie. And yeah, just the writing itself was super tight in my opinion. Um, this was also the lovely Frances McDormand's film debut. And yeah, let me just say, even back then, I thought she was pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, she plays her role quite well, quite, um, quite understated as well, because like previous to this, she'd only been doing theatre stuff and like a few TV roles, I believe. Um, and yeah, I think she, she did a really good job. Um, again, it's another like movie that's been made on a relatively small budget of just 1.5 mil um and yeah when you consider some of like the gore that's in it um yeah I think it makes it a little bit more impressive um and yeah I don't know I feel like I had more that I wanted to say but I can't really remember uh and also actually there's a really cool uh little piano motif that is um yeah played throughout which it's gone from my head right now and even if it wasn't there I wouldn't try and imitate it but yeah it was really cool really liked it so growing up my parents told me about this film and this was before i had any understanding of like the great directors of all time so i had no idea who the coen brothers were at this point i was probably 10 or so and growing up my parents used to tell me the worst movie they ever saw was blood simple because it wasn't bloody simple and they had no idea what was going on and now obviously as a person who's watched a lot of films i understand that that is 90 percent likely on them and everything i've heard about this movie is it's a classic but it's just funny to me that my parents were so against this film and it must have confused them so much that they're just like nope this is terrible i think they're film watchers you know what i mean <laughs> like Something one star similar. one star yeah. didn't get it but... <laughs> three stars okay <laughs> that sounds but like yeah. my rating system mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, um, and also another interesting fact: this is Francis McDormand's first film role. Went on to marry Joel Cohen, the director. Mm. I'm pretty sure they're still married to this day. Yeah, I believe you're correct. I really want to see that uh, No Man Land. Yes, yes, I really want to see No Man Land. I can't yeah, it's wait. Rating really well um, from all the film festivals. Mm. Um, yeah. So, all right. Uh, the movie that I also watched this week was Before I Fall. Um, so again, just scrolling through Netflix, um, I saw that Zoe Dooch was the main actress and I really liked her in one of her previous films called Flower. Um, so I thought I'd just go into this blind and I didn't even read the description. 
Um, so it's set in like an alpine town, a group of four friends. They all are like the worst type of high schoolers or like people. <laughs> um, they're all like popular people who are just like real dicks. Um, they go to like a, they're really rude to a girl. They go to a party um, and uh, fuck with someone and then end up getting in a car and on the car drive home, the car crashes um and zoe douche wakes up and it's the start of the day again so it's a groundhog day movie um in a way and i don't know for some reason every time i watch a groundhog day movie they always seem to like spark my interest enough to know like what the twist is and how it like ends um i think that zoe douche is a great actor i didn't really like i hated her character in this um but obviously like as the story progresses she becomes a better human um this one sort of is probably the weakest of the groundhog day films that i've ever seen like the ending sort of falls a bit flat and i wanted more from it um i like that i like the style of the movie in the way like they've color graded it to be like gray and miserable um especially for like that mountain setting like there's no real supernatural elements besides the groundhog day it was it was perfectly fine i can't like endorse everyone run out and go and see it um but hey it was like if if you just want something to mind numb and not have to worry like this was perfect for that and that's why i ended up yeah enjoying it enough cool have you guys seen flower though i think that like that's really probably what i recommend watching if if do you know who i'm talking about zoe douch i don't but i've just looked looked, yeah i just looked her up and i just looked up flower which has a two a 2.8 average on the (laughs) box so this is an easy adam five star (laughs) yeah see that's weird so i like i quite enjoyed this film like and for whatever reason i thought that like it was way higher than a two from my 2.8 to almost a three i suppose yeah see i feel like you guys would probably maybe enjoy this a bit more but yeah might give it a go but going on to the movie you just watched yes what do you think would be the best sort of groundhog day slash infinite time loop movie you've seen in in reese like obviously groundhog day is what i would class as the best because it was like the one that established it but then following that probably palm springs yeah and i prefer palm springs like if i had to choose what i'd rather watch i'd definitely rather watch palm springs than groundhog day yeah i found palm springs really fun i was yeah quite again like pleasantly surprised of it Mm. yeah again um let's not forget uh happy death day edge of edge of tomorrow edge of tomorrow yeah tomorrow's a good one that's a really great one um and then if you go all media i would say that russia doll is easily the best out of all of them 100 percent that's true yeah so that's um before i fall another one of those movies and like i'm actually down to just keep watching these types of movies if i'm being honest like i don't know something about it's always like super intriguing i want to know what the twist is and how it's different to the other ones yeah what's going to set it apart from all the other like groundhog day type movies and And it just sucks when nothing does doesn't it yeah and i think that that's why palm springs was so good and this felt so flat (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right and now it's time for the movie of the week 
All right, so this week we watched Climax, uh, released uh, on... I've got Sorry. an intro if you want. Oh. I wrote a full intro if you want me to... I would love you take to. ...take over on this one. Love you to. Uh, so Climax is a 2018 French horror film, and proud of it, as it says in the opening credits, directed by Gaspar No, that follows a dance troupe during an after-party for a rehearsal for a, something they're doing. During the celebrations, however, they find out that the sangria they've been ingesting is laced with LSD and everything turns into a literal hell. The film was conceived and pre-produced in around four weeks and then shot chronologically over 15 days. Apart from two of the cast, Sophia Batella and Suhila Yekob, none of the rest had any acting experience. Instead, they were all professional dancers. While No came up with the premise of the film, the large majority of it is made up of unrehearsed, on-the-spot improvisation from the cast. They were given basically no lines of dialogue and no character direction. Rain with what they did. It had a budget of $2.9 million and made $2 million back at the box office. But like most of those films, it has quickly became a, a cult favourite. Did you have anything else to add on there, Adam? That was perfect. Well Lovely. said. <laughs> so, what do we think? You go first, Emily. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, before I watched this one, I, I like, I'd kind of been told by someone that I might find, like, the first part a bit boring. So I'd kind of, like, gone in there, like, I, and I knew Was I that knew, person? Like, just, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't want, didn't want to name names. It was actually going to be nice to you just then, Adam. Um <laughs> So I was thinking, oh, okay, so like the first 40 minutes are probably going to be a bit of a slog and then it's going to get intense and it's going to be great. But I actually like really enjoyed this from the get-go. Like the first 40 minutes, like I I was having such a fun time. I was like, oh my gosh, where is this going to go? Like I'm like so into this. Like I loved, I loved the dancing. Like I was like, I've always, I've got like a bit of a, um, I don't I've, like not a guilty pleasure but I don't know what a soft spot for like dancing movies I don't know I don't know how to describe it but anyway um so like I love that I love the energy I was like really intrigued um and then yeah the second half like it was Oof. intense it was like it all became literal hell like I, I was having such a like you know nice time before that and then I was like oh my gosh this is awful it's literally a nightmare um and yeah I like early on it was tracking between like i was kind of like okay i think this could be a five but then yeah i think in the second half there were just like a few little things that happened that kind of like i guess like took me out of that that journey i was on i suppose and like kind of made me go like no i'm actually not like i I go i don't like that sort of thing does that Mm -hmm. make sense yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah um, like on the whole though, like I still actually ended up giving this like four and a half stars. It was interesting immediately afterwards. I was like, yeah, I think I'm just going to give this a four. Like it was still, still quite good, but you know, those, the few things that like I didn't like about it have like definitely brought me down. But then when I like slept on it, I was thinking about it the next day. I was like, no, like the, what's been done here is like pretty amazing and pretty great. So yeah. Yep. Yep. So like, what did you guys think? I'll jump in now, um, I suppose, because obviously I was the person who didn't enjoy the first start of the, the start of the film. Um, yeah, I, I think you should actually specify the what? problem you may have had with the yes. copy that you watched. That's okay. Place yeah. To start. So yeah. So okay. Just as a caveat, I had decided to rent this through Amazon Prime, 
Um, I do not recommend anyone use that platform. Just use Google Play. Don't be silly. Use Google Play. So what was happening with my um, copy was uh, the subtitles would come up and I would read them and it wasn't synced to the lips and then the scene would play. So just as a caveat, I don't think that it really affected my viewing experience that much, but I could definitely see how it hindered it maybe a little bit. Um, The issue I had with it was... All right, it was a little bit pretentious to like start the movie with the rolling the end credits and then have all these weird like title screen come in like 30 minutes in and then the actors names like slam bang in the middle um but I, the the issue at its core that i had with it was the start of the film was lots of just two people having conversations to introduce the characters um and the conversation for me wasn't super thrilling or interesting um and i didn't like the way that it would just be two people then they jump to another two people then they jump to another two people something about that was really jarring and i don't feel like it meshed with the second half of the film i also really enjoyed the dance number the first dance number not the second dance number the second dance number where it was top down uh yep just was I don't know, something about that camera angle didn't work for me. Um, and I feel like it was... It just... Like, I think that probably the dance number lasted and overstayed its welcome a bit. As soon as the second... Or the the second act, I suppose, um, starts to occur where... Well, it'd be third From the act. Sangria Cup, pretty From much. the Sangria Cup. It's all shot as a um, single one-shot, which I really liked. Um, especially because it made like the stories of the dancers feel really personal and like what the trip was like as sort of like an, I felt like the camera was almost a person in the frame and like mm-hmm. experiencing like the madness going on around them. Um, so I feel like in this movie, for me personally, there was like a fantastic short story and a short movie. And then right towards the end of the like, when when things really got crazy and like the light started flashing red and it started like everything flipped upside down i feel like that end section lasted like a little bit too long for my liking as well um i think when the cops come in at the very end just that would have been where i've like flipped the camera around to sort of show like the madness and like now we're back to reality but he didn't choose to do that i still think it was fantastic i gave this a three it was very close to like, like i feel like if it had a better setup and like i had a better ending i probably would have enjoyed it more but again that might have... i feel like if you had a normal rating yeah system, it would have scored better too yep yes of course of course i enjoyed it the thing is like can you re- I, I personally couldn't recommend this to everyone like i feel like mm. but that's not what i think a basis for a really good rating is uh, i think i know but like on this my... is a five if you think this is a five to recommend to some people they're just recommended to those people yeah, yeah. So I, I personally enjoyed it as someone who like is sitting there watching films for like an analytical like standpoint. But like, mm. I can't recommend this to my family. Like, that would hate it. And mm. that's just like because I know their personal preferences and like exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, um, well, yeah. Anyway, and what about you, Josh? What were your thoughts? I th- so I was the only one who'd already seen this, and I actually think it benefits more from a second viewing, maybe in your sense, but. Because this isn't exactly your type of movie, maybe you wouldn't get out of it what everyone else would, but the talking head stuff at the start with, like, the videotapes and everything, once you get 
everyone's full stories and then you go back and watch this sort of stuff and you watch the conversations they're having with each other and you watch sort of their characters motivations and everything play out while knowing their full story it's quite a different experience and it makes the first half a lot more sort of tension building than it is regularly because when i watched it the first time i just i adored the first half just from a choreography point of view I loved the setup of the dance studio. I love both dance numbers. We disagreed on this because that is how I usually see parties. Like I'm usually off talking to people at a time, having an elongated conversation. Yeah, and I was going to say that too. Else. Yeah, like yeah, that I, felt I, it felt real to me. It felt authentic, yeah, because it's like, oh yeah, everyone's off, like you know, with their like little groups within their big group or whatever, and they're all like, yeah, having all these little chats about everyone else, and like you know, yeah their and, observations and their issues and yeah i thought that felt quite genuine to me and when you really look at the characters too they all had previous relationships not all of them obviously but a lot of there was a little little sex that had previous relationships prior to school so obviously they're going to be associating with each other more they've been there for three days this is the end of their thing so they've had those days to bond with each other and sort of see what you'd like as a group and i think mm. sort of the tape part goes into that as well so you can sort of see the personalities meshing before they get together. So just to be clear, I think it like the the conversations themselves weren't like the bit that I struggled with because I thought like that like that was genuinely pretty good. I think what I had issues was was the way everything was framed. Like it didn't feel like they were all in the same location, at, like a party. I felt like they like. But that's what I'm saying. To me, it did. Uh, to me, a hundred percent. Oh, okay. Did. Okay. Yeah, and I noticed maybe because. And Wait, again, that might be that, that might be the subtitle thing that was called. That's me. that's what that's why when I was watching it, that's why I thought the subtitles would have screwed you up because I was like, this is really raw, conversational. They're not doing anything to sort of please people. There's a lot of problematic dialogue, but the fact is that a lot of these characters are problematic characters. Yep. And I can, in terms, take that as a concession, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and in terms of, I mean, I don't. This to me is a horrific horror movie because I was sweating by the time this was finished. The adrenaline was pumping. I felt cold because I'm like, you watch most horror movies and there's situations that you're not going to be ever. Like you're never going to be, the very few of us are ever going to be chased by a serial killer or going to see a monster or a vampire or zombie. But this, we all go to parties. And the fact is that they even set it up that very few people who are in this troop take drugs beforehand. So this was a straight party that got laced. Mm. And that's why just the thought of that combined with the hellish nature of the second half of this film is like, it's heart-wrenching and it's like full on. And once this kicks off, it does not stop. And it's just full on visceral hell, real human hell. And I... When I first watched this, I got shown it to me by my good friends, Ryan and Georgie. Hi, Ryan and Georgie, if you're listening. And having them there, it sort of like calms down any sort of experience because when you're around people, you're sort of just discussing the movie as you're watching, and especially a foreign language film that in the second half doesn't have much dialogue. So you sort of disconnect a little bit from it. When I was watching this full-on laser-focused, my heart was beating and I was like, holy shit. Okay, so and... just to jump off that, what what do you think, like, what was, like, the one story beat for both of you um, that sort of was, like, oh, shit? <laughs> like, because I well, definitely have one. Well, I think most of ours will be the same, and it will be the mother and the son. 
I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like the kid in the electrical room. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand that that's a real fucked up thing to do, but I think that this movie does a good job of showing like the reality that they're sort of experiencing and just through like empathetic storytelling and the fact that they all made up like all this was improvised on the spot pretty much. It's insane. Like these were all character decisions made by the actors of what they think someone would do in a situation like this. I think that uh, like another like real standout like moment for me was when um, Selva uh, like was walked into that room, yes. saw the trees, and yes. then like she you can see that like she's enjoying like rubbing her legs, and she puts her hands yes, inside her stockings, but... and you can yep. like in that oh. moment you can see what's gonna happen, and she mm. and then like oh. she feels trapped, and mm. you're like oh my god this is horrifying. And... And I need to point out that the potentially the greatest electronic track of all time, Apex Twins' Window Liquor, is playing at that exact moment. And that's oh. the exact moment where I was like, five stars. Because that was, again, my favorite bit of the movie because you can feel that bit. You can oh, literally yeah. feel it as it's happening. Like, you can imagine being, you can imagine having those stockings on and lifting up, but the arms won't come out. And being in this state of mind, it's just like, that is a horrific thought. And that's way scarier to me than any sort of standard slasher or ghost or any other horror movie. And that's why I think this film is so effective, is that it doesn't it doesn't distort anything in terms of most drug trip movies you watch will distort the camera and make you see things. It doesn't. It just shows you the negative effects through watching the people affected by it. Yeah, just seeing their reactions to whatever is happening inside their heads. And it's, mm. yeah, not, not nice. Like, oh, it's so, I'm actually really upset that Window Liquor was playing during this movie. Because <laughs> I, I feel like when I listen to it next, I'm going to like, have, have a, a negative, reaction. like, yeah, like have a bit of a flashback or something. And I'm just going to be like, oh. I'm <laughs> just glad that it happens at a point where you get a tiny, tiny bit of calmness for like mm. a, a minute. But then it ends with probably the most horrific thing mm. because when the film ends, that's where the power cuts out. Mm. So, yeah, see, uh, I just wanted to say quickly, so, like, the thing that, like, the, yeah, the thing that first broke me in this movie, or, like, kind of broke my, I don't know, trance, I suppose you would say, in terms of, like, being, like, fully into it, was the reaction of the, um, I can't remember her name, but the girl who was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, like, um, yeah, it was, like, sickening, you know, when, um, again, I can't remember the other girl's name, um, when that girl, like, you know, kicks her in the stomach, though, and everything. Yeah. And, like, that's awful. And, she, you know, she saw, like, someone call an ambulance and everything. And at that point, I was like, this is, like, this is fucked. <laughs> but then uh, but then she, like, you know, goes out into the party to, like, confront her again. Oh, I think we might have of... just dropped you for a second. Do you want to just repeat that a little bit? Um, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> sure. So she just went back out into the party? Yeah. She, like, she went back out into the party um, to, like, confront her. And obviously, like full know like knowing the situation now knowing that everyone has like been drinking the sangria which is spiked so all of these people are completely irrational and fucked up she then goes out into there to confront the girl again and then obviously everyone's like ganging up on her which is again awful watching that but yeah it was her, her decision to do that instead of to get out of or to try and get out of there or to like like hide and protect herself um and then the self-harm Mm. which I like I just I couldn't fully understand that decision just because to me she was the 
but one of the only people who was still actually a sound mind and like I do fully understand that like just like having that happen to you like having yeah your stomach kicked in if you're pregnant and everything would be like very traumatic and like I don't think you would be thinking straight or anything but it just like didn't it didn't click with me as to like yeah what why she would have reacted that way so that was my take but yeah I have a slight idea on it and it may be Mm because I was sort of looking for it on this one because you guys both mentioned that to me before I'd rewatched it but you have to look at, and I think this actually works in terms of the mother being the dancer and mm-hmm. how getting pregnant ruined her life sort of mm-hmm. thing. And I think you have to put yourself in them. And again, this was all an actor decision or a character decision, but if you put yourself in that mindset and you put yourself in the mindset of you being a dancer, she's probably thought that her life has been over for the past however many days that she's mm-hmm. known she's pregnant for. Like she's, there's no, because you look at the... um the talking tapes at the start and there's the one girl that says what would you do if you couldn't dance and she responds Mm. with suicide Mm. so i got that stuck in my head and then i got into the idea of so this girl's been thinking for the past three days like either i've got to get an abortion or my life is over there may have been some like mental sort of battery on her own end leading up to this night which wouldn't have put her in the great mindset to begin with and again you don't know her past with sort of self-harm but again all this is sort of character decisions and with a film that is not as dialogue heavy especially in the second half with the characters and because there's a big ensemble cast you've got a lot of people to sort of focus on something like that could be quite jarring if you don't read into it or on a first watch so to speak yeah yeah it would be interesting if i do rewatch this again to see if yeah like what you just said if i do notice anything that could kind of like explain it a little better because yeah it was just it was for me it was that that kind of yeah cost it half a star and then I think Adam's already kind of touched on that like the second half probably went a little bit too long yeah and I I think think, yeah sorry the only other bit that I wanted to sort of mention was like I think the setting for the movie is real weird um and I think I discussed that with Emily Mm. just over text message after watching it Mm. that like it seems weird that there's like a dance studio in the middle of nowhere but they all sort of Mm. live there or like have living quarters that and and like i think that the issue i had with that was their living quarters that seem quite lived in and Mm. not like i don't know just seemed really strange and then to have a party like this at a place where you live like this i don't know it like that it just seems like a little bit jarring i don't yeah it was europe in the 90s though and do we really know that it was in the middle of nowhere it seemed quite isolated. It, like... it seemed quite isolated, but it's a snowy town. They may have just had mm. like a big yard and everything because the cops get there the next morning. Mm. And I didn't understand so like, like... They would have been too far away. Okay, and sorry, just, just to add to that, like the, the, the visualization at the start where the person's crawling through the snow and then curls up into a ball, like the cops arrive and they don't even notice that someone's done that. Like, was it light don't outside? You, but don't you think that was probably why the cops went there? Because they found the body on the outside. Yeah, I was just thinking. I don't actually know, like, how the cops got there. If, if like, yeah, who that, I, them, like, I'm assuming yeah. they would have found the body on the outside. Also, That's why I don't sorry, think it's too isolated. So, the, so, was it a girl who crawled out and died outside? And then, like, the only person that they threw outside was like that the girl, okay. black dude. So, I was. But it could have been. But you know, it could have been the pregnant girl. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm 99% sure it was because you don't see her after she's she. 
self harms, and you only the only other reference to it is the girl cleaning herself in the shower. Okay. Yep, that makes sense. All right. And I'd just like to quickly get this in there because I should have mentioned it before, but and I think I've said this to both of you, but in terms of the structure of the film, I think that it almost functions like the drug trip itself where you get this real nice slow come up where everything's slowly but increasingly becoming more intense and then the living hell that you can't get out of and that's why i think that the maybe it lasting a little too long is sort of the point is giving you no escape from this absolute terror that you're experiencing it's not easy to just switch it off like it can't just be over when you want it to be you have to see this to its full conclusion and it was fucked I like that take, actually. Yeah. Mm. And I think one thing that I also liked was that not everyone had a bad trip. That's exactly right. The DJ had a relatively okay trip for the most part. I mean, even the young, like his boyfriend, the young boy, for the most part has not time. Like he gets rejected by another man and has a cry about it, but nothing significantly Nothing fucked yeah. up, like getting yeah. your head burnt, like oh, lit on fire, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, are we all in agreement too that it was Psy- Psyche, the blonde girl, Psyche, yeah, that- Psyche, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, and uh, cool. Watching her tape the second time around, where she talks about um how she was left Berlin drug culture was getting too intense. And then yep. her roommate had started putting... Watching mm. that the second time when you know it said shivers down your spine. Yeah. That's the only line of dialogue that's scripted. So that that is the yeah. one yeah. line of dialogue scripted by Gaspar No. So yeah, That is insane. Cool. Yeah. Like, Everything else respect is how insane this movie is to exist? Because if it took four weeks, what's that? 28 days plus the 15 days of filming, that's like... From being conceived to be like this film being finished essentially, and to get a movie of this quality out in that time with no professional actors, basically, it's something special. And I think it sort of suits what we're trying to go for this week, which was a different type of horror. You don't get many horror films like this, and being October. A lot of people are watching the more standard spooky movies and I thought this one was a good one to give you something a bit more intense real. and a bit more real, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the whole time I was just thinking, like, this would already be, like, you know, awful. But, like, ugh, just when they realise that it's happened, I'm like, fuck, if that was me and if I was, like, cool, I've just been drugged. Like, ugh, it must be the most awful experience. Uh, like, Yeah, like, it, it's almost like signing yourself up for a bad trip just from the get-go. Like, and- Yeah, yeah. You know, and I know you were the one who sent me this, Emily, and I know I've been speaking with Anna about it, the whole idea of anxiety sufferers suffering, uh, liking horror movies because they can experience situations that they would not like to experience in real life in controlled environments. (laughs) Well, this is perfect because this would be my literal hell on Mm, earth if this actually happened. So watching this, I'm like, this makes me feel like no other horror films do these days mm. horror films really don't do much to me but when you watch a movie like like that right, could be me that could like <laughs> that this could stretch, this but... may happen i know but that's what i'm saying because this wasn't a drugged up party like there were some mm. people who were using coke but it was sparing and most of them have an anti-drug mm. sort of 
messages throughout. Oh, and we oh. like have like okay, so like let's talk about some like really like messed up scenes. So like okay. obviously the kids really like the kid getting locked mm-hmm. in the thing is horrible. Oh my gosh. When I see him with that cup of sangria, I'm just I oh. die. I know, like, me I too. Can't. <laughs> Alright, so moving on I think the next one was The ladies literally on fire mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. That was like The pregnant woman obviously getting kicked and bashed And then self-harming mm. was I, I guess like that was the bit that we both just talked That jumped out The other bit for me was the brother and sister oh, was so yeah, I know, messed up I noticed this more On the second one true Because we spoke about it last night mm. Not one was it sort of even slightly consensual even in the thing like even when they're in the bathroom at the start she's mm. pushing him off as soon as the other guy comes mm. in uh, it was sick it was great yeah, it's no, it was disgusting like it's funny because like when i saw the i think yeah i think maybe it was the video at the very start i kind of joked and was like oh like that seems mm-hmm. incesty mm-hmm. imagine what it like seems like watching like, it the second time because uh, uh, i read a thi- like some people were theorizing or like were saying like oh the end was a bit unclear to them because they were like oh was it the blonde girl or was it the brother because he was like oh like he was the only other sober person so some people i think have theorized that perhaps it was him that did it so that he could take advantage of his sister mm. but like that that's not my reading but i think that yeah and it's an interesting think, one that exists uh, it is, but again, like that when you brought that up to me earlier, mm-hmm. I said that it's people just trying to read and saying that definitely isn't there. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that the literal one line of scripted dialogue yeah. in the whole movie was that <laughs> thing, Gaspar O's not going to be sitting there writing a script and going to be like, "Yep, my <laughs> twist is going to be that." Yeah, literally, I'm not putting it in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what I would love to know is like, because obviously you said that like most of it's just improv and mm-hmm. like. Obviously, they filmed for 15 days. I'm sure that there are other cuts that they have of this movie where different things happen because it is all improv. And I would mm-hmm. love for them to do, like, a side yeah, um, release of what happens in those other... What do you What do you think of the chances they got the 42-minute take on the first cut? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Like, you can yeah, definitely see where absolutely they... absolutely not. You can see where they cut the film as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but that is climax um for our main topic next week uh we are doing a special event um for spooktober and the movies are we've got yeah Yeah, i got them i got them we've got three (laughs) classic horror movies and because we've done something a little bit different this week we're going to go your more traditional spooks next week and we're going to go with the original Blair Witch Project we're going to go with uh, I know what you did last summer, and we're going to go with an absolute favourite for a lot of people: Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Emily, oh, I'm wait. so excited to watch the Blair Witch Project because yeah, we never... played the game. The game, that's yeah, and the game was so spooky. We were like, it was even when we were playing during daylight, we were both just like, oh. <laughs> I think I've actually got videos of like the game and when like. We screamed and stuff because, yeah, we're both scaredy cats. Yeah, yeah. And like, all I <laughs> well, remember. Well, it'll be interesting to see this not scare you guys at all. <laughs> I, I hope it does. I'm really hoping that there's the scene and like where they walk through the house and then the house cycles mm. and it's the house again. Because I remember yeah. the last part of that game that like, goes for like an hour. And yeah. it's just oh, in the same house and the same hallway. It's terrifying. So, yeah. I will say this there was a Blair Witch movie that came out around that same time as the game. 
So it may be more uh, based on the remake slash reboot than the original. Super Basti. excited. We will talk about it next week. Um, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Film School Podcast, um, where we talk about all the movies that we've watched throughout the week. Um, you can follow us all on Letterboxd, and the descriptions are in the details below. Um, as I said, you can also follow us on Instagram, uh, films underscore cool podcast and Twitter film school pod. Uh, thanks so much for listening and we will catch you next Wednesday, the 28th of October. Thanks guys. Thank you. Bye guys. Thank you.